sustainer. Amen. Finally, a parable from the mouth of Jesus that vindicates a nagging wife. At least we can assume she was a nagging wife before she became a nagging widow in this parable. A little old lady bitching and complaining, yammer, 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 every word a hammer, striking you with sound until she wears you down. There are husbands who feel that way. Of course, no one in here. No, they're all out there. Um, but we've all heard stories. And Jesus adds this one, a comical story with a serious message to people who live in troubled times. This parable paints a vivid picture of two opposing characters, one of whom represents a figure for godlike behavior. But which one? Oh, surely it's not this desperate, powerless, nagging nuisance of an old lady. But it would be blasphemous to suggest that this faithless, unscrupulous, cold, indifferent civil magistrate has anything of God's nature in him either. Nor is there any consensus among commentators and translators as to which character is the focus of the story. Some, for some scholars, this is the parable of the unjust judge. And for others, it's titled, The Persistent Widow. And some opt for the middle road. No doubt they are Episcopalians. And they call it the parable of the widow and the judge. Luke is writing to a church under siege in an empire where the Christian faith was a capital offense against the state. Devout men and women who lived honest and compassionate lives were hauled off to prison and condemned to death by torture. There was no justice for them. And if we're tempted to think, well, that was then and this is now, and aren't we lucky to live in present-day America? We have only to pick up the newspaper, switch on the news, and find circumstances very similar to the system of justice in the first century. The parable is found only in Luke's gospel and is another example of Luke championing the cause of the underdog. And this is to be expected. Luke is the only, as far as we know, the only Gentile writer in the entire Bible. Definitely an outsider in a Jewish world. So he's the first to cheer when the loser wins. When the oppressed, marginalized, powerless little widow beats down the resistance of a corrupt but powerful judge in the story of today. Luke is recalling a story that Jesus told to a people who felt that God had forgotten them. Their prayers didn't seem to get beyond the ceiling. The Almighty had turned a deaf ear. Their faith was in vain. We've all been there at one time or another in our lives when the heavens seem to be empty and prayer seems to be an exercise in futility. So Jesus tells a story to those who feel that God has left the universe. Or if God is within earshot, he simply doesn't care. In other words, God isn't there or God doesn't care. Jesus narrates this parable about a judge, presumably a, a municipal authority appointed by Herod, one who seems to wield almost limitless authority, contrasted with this poor, needy little widow. Without husband, brother, or son to speak for her, she is the most vulnerable, helpless human being alive. The incongruity is we expect people in power to win. 
consider the recent action of the Supreme Court. Whether or not the major, the major part of the American populace was in agreement, they reversed Roe versus Wade, legislation of some 40 years ago. But in this vignette, first century, a grumpy little old granny clobbers City Hall with nothing more than an empty pocketbook and her huspa. And there's almost a comical quality to this story. Maybe the widow didn't laugh all the way out of the courtroom, but she certainly must have smiled at her as she said to herself, well, there is a God after all. The crucial element in this story is that it is, that is almost always overlooked is that women rarely go to court in the Middle East, even today. That's the men's realm. There are no Gloria Allreds in Palestine or Yemen or Saudi Arabia. Women are regarded as weak, unthreatening, insignificant, and irrelevant to the legal system. When the judge in the parable says, I will grant her justice so she will not wear me out, the Arabic has it, lest she give me a headache. The classic interpretation of this parable is expressed in Jesus' question at the end, which might be paraphrased, do you really think that a corrupt, unscrupulous, calloused human being will mete out more justice than a holy, just, and compassionate God? Just when did you give up on God? Perseverance, stubborn persistence is the essence of faithfulness. Be faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life, says Jesus, to the church in tribulation and to all people who suffer. When you are to throw in the towel is the time to keep on keeping on. That's the essence of faithfulness. Jacob wrestles with the angel all night and is wounded in, this, in the struggle. But he does not let go. He will not let go until he receives the blessing, until his life is transformed and his name is changed to the name that will stand for the whole nation of Israel. Of course, the purpose of prayer is not to manipulate God into doing what God would not do otherwise, Prayer is not always a wrestling match, Jacob's experience notwithstanding, but neither is it always a walk in the park. Rather, prayer is a dance between pleading and surrender, a combination of our concern for oneself and self-sacrifice, a means not of changing God's mind, but rather of transforming human hearts an endless conversation between this decaying mortal body and the eternal spirit of God that infuses us with life and peace. Persisting prayer is not for rearranging circumstances, but for bringing our lives into closer relationship with God and with each other. More than any other gospel, Luke places special emphasis on the role of prayer in our lives. For prayer is the single means by which we avoid the temptation to give up or lose heart. And so the purpose of the parable, from Jesus' point of view, is to encourage his disciples to pray always and not lose heart. Prayer is the means by which we maintain our relationship to God, the source of our courage, the fortifier of our faith. And without prayer, faith simply dries up. 
Prayer then is not so much about what God will do for us, of course, God does respond to prayer, but it is more about how committed we are to deepening our relationship with the one who loves us. The question at the end of the story has to do with the quality and depth of our prayer life as the only way to become people of faith, faith-filled, faithful people as we await the coming of the Son of Man. Will Jesus find us faithful because we are people of prayer? I suspect that those who first heard this parable back in the first century had a hard time finding their place in it. I mean, nobody wants to identify with this destitute, nagging nuisance of an old lady. But look at that judge. He's mean, faithless, a closed universe with no room for God in it. Do we know anybody like that? Sure we do. Sure we do. Every one of us fits that description on some occasions. Our decisions about life can leave no room for God or for people who have differing needs or wishes. The universe on those occasions is very small, and we are its sole inhabitants. If the judge can be said to be the one who represents us, who then is this little old lady? What is she in the story for? So relentless in her appeals. Is it possible she may be the Spirit of God, ever attempting to draw us into relationship and make us recognize our relationships with God and with each other demand things of us? Perhaps this is another one of those spiritual paradoxes in which godly power is revealed in seeming weakness. And the voice of the nagging widow is the voice of the Savior, pounding on our door constantly and pleading, how about forgiving that person that offends you? How about helping that person in need? How about spending some time with me in prayer? The divine widow keeps knocking on the door of our hearts, and like the unjust judge, we just keep putting her off. Thomas Keating says, if modern forms of communication seem overwhelming, just wait and see how many ways of communicating God can come up with through people, feelings, memories, music, thoughts, painful circumstances, and daunting challenges. And finally, when we do accept God's overtures, it's not because we are so smart or so devout or that we deserve it but because, like the unjust judge, at last we can no longer resist the assaults of God's grace. And we're put in a corner, forced to surrender and say, okay, God, I will do it. I accept. I surrender. I am yours. The voice of the widow seeks to engage us, and we resist. We claim, I don't have time for prayer, and I don't believe in telling God what God already knows or trying to persuade God to do what I want. But the real reason why we don't pray most of the time is because letting God giving up the illusion of control. We're not sure we want to be transformed. Change, even change for the good can be painful or at least life-disrupting. And maybe when God's justice does prevail in human society, there will be a redistribution of wealth and privilege. Maybe I will have to give up some of my abundance 
so that someone else can have just enough. We dare not ask God to make God's power known unless we are willing for such power and dominion to come on God's terms and not ours. This is really a story about what happens to our faith when God doesn't give us what we want when we want it. Do we take our marbles and go home? Or do we stay in the game and trust God to give us what we need, even if we can't understand, can't see what we need? Will we surrender to God's purposes, even if they don't correspond to our expectations? And trust God to take us through the disappointments, the losses, the dark places, and bring us out to joy on the other side. That's the kind of persevering prayer that sustains and deepens our relationship with the King of the Kingdom of God. Jesus proclaims to us as to his disciples so long ago, I tell you, God will quickly grant justice and forgiveness, healing, compassion, wisdom, direction, peace, and life everlasting. For God is faithful. But will God find faith and persevering prayer in human hearts. Let us pray. Gracious God, you are more ready to answer than we to pray, and eager to grant far more than we can ask or imagine. Make us long to seek your face, mindful of your gentle nudges in our lives, and make us persevere in a life of prayer, that in our struggles we may remember you, and in your seasons of blessing, we may be ever thankful. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.